Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 35 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello Hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again in my own highly biased opinion I think I have a top of the league show lined up for you today. Ah yes, welcome back my friends. Did you miss me? We've been away for a little while but you'll be pleased to know that in recent weeks I've been recording with all kinds of wonderful people from the hypnosis field for your listening pleasure. I'd like to send out a massive thanks to all those of you who took the time to get in touch and ask me when were we coming back and letting me know how much you enjoy and miss the show. I really appreciate it all three of you. In a short while, I'll be sharing with you an interview with Sheila Granger. Then I'll be looking at the hypnosis in the news stories, examining the media where hypnosis is featured. I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary on the way hypnosis is portrayed in the media, but also comment on some of the content of those media stories. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest Sheila Granger this week. We shall be exploring gastric band hypnosis sessions. We'll round things off with this week's hypnosis evidence-based factoid. Yes, it's renamed. I'll explain why later. Before I then bid you farewell for another week. As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate along the way. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. You can add your thoughts, comments, make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. So first of all today, this week's interview. It's with great pleasure that I welcome Sheila Granger to Hypnosis Weekly. I first encountered Sheila a number of years back when she invited me to speak at an event that she was putting together aimed at developing the business of hypnotherapy for hypnotherapists. Sadly, I was unable to present at that particular event, but Sheila kept my attention. She held it with the way that she has built her business in the years since. She's featured in the media with some wonderful success stories that we'll be hearing about shortly. She has subjected her own work to clinical trials and has hundreds upon hundreds of practitioners around the world who use her gastric band process to help people reduce weight. And we'll be discussing that process in detail later on in today's show. But first up, I got to interview Sheila. For now, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume, sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. So, as I've just been discussing, as I've been explaining, I'm delighted to be welcoming the one and only Sheila Granger to Hypnosis Weekly. Sheila, welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here. So, um, um, let's get into our interview questions, first of all. Roll our sleeves up. Tell us a little bit about how, how you got into this field. You know, tell us about your background and how you arrived at where you are now. Well, I think... I mean, I'm probably like a lot of people who are in the hypnotherapy world. None of us left school thinking, I think when I grow up, I want to be a hypnotherapist or to be a coach. You know, a lot of us have fallen upon this profession and 
Um, my background, I worked for the government for 22 years as a fraud investigator. Wow. So it was my job to um, investigate people who were fiddling their social security benefits and maybe weren't quite as disabled as they claimed to be. Yeah. And, you know, you would think it was a really negative job. And I think probably to a certain extent, although I didn't realise realize it at the time, you know, hypnosis is a little bit like high-level communication skills, and um, you know, it's a, that rapport building. I was using that at the time because yeah, yeah. I used to leave somebody's house, having interviewed them, about to take them to court for however many thousands of pounds to be recovered, and they used to say, "Thanks ever so much for coming to see me." <laughs> Anytime <laughs> you pass in love, you and me will pop in for a cup of tea. <laughs> so <laughs> it used to come out like I was a best friend. Wow. Um, so I was probably using some of the skill set then, but um, I'd had an interest in how the human mind works. I'd seen a hypnotherapy training course, and I was a little bit of a librarian at the time, and thought, well, I'll go on that course and see what it's all about. Great. I never intended to start a business. Um, so I started, you know, got my qualification. I started seeing a, pe a few people from home. And then really, I just noticed the difference that you can make to somebody's life. And that passion and that drive took over to do more and more of that, really. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's, that's really where I came from with it. Yeah, and, and we're going to be discussing some of your some of your specialism, some of the the pioneering approach that you that you've adapted with regards to weight reduction in today's discussion, and we'll, we'll start looking into that. I just want to f point our focus a little bit on on hypnosis. Then, um, um, tell me a little bit. You know, how do you define hypnosis? How do you how do you explain it to the people that you're working with, to your clients, and 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 other people? Um, and, and perhaps tell us a little bit about how you arrived at that definition. I think I changed that approach. I haven't got a set definition for it because, sure. you know, I change the language depending on who the audience is I'm speaking to. Yeah, so, right. You know, like recently um, I've been engaged in a lot of work with schools. Um, I have about five school contracts at the moment where it's helping um, students perform at the best in exam situations. Wow, brilliant. And that work seems to be expanding more and more. And once your foot's in the door with the school, you're then into the stress management for the teachers, you know, um, and it just uh, goes on from there. So, mm. you know, I don't sell hypnosis to schools. I don't have to give a definition to them. I'm really yeah. saying I can solve a problem that you've got potentially. Um, so really, I see hypnosis as, yes, that is a modality that we are using. Um, but if I was working one-on-one -on -one with a client, yeah, we have to give some sort of explanation. And I use that explanation more than anything to put that person at ease. Yeah. Um, so they do, I, I say, you know, you can't do anything right or do anything wrong here. All I need you to feel is that you're sitting there with your eyes shut. Yeah. And everybody will feel like that. So they will then start questioning, have I been hypnotised or not? Um, because they're always thinking, I'm not really here to prove hypnosis exists. I'm here to bring about a change in you and get you to where you want to be. Mm. However that happens, I'm not really too worried. And I don't think the client is as long as it does. Mm. Mm. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Good one. Um, I, I, you know, with regards to that, then, you know, um, tell us about some of your major influences in this field. You know, I, I, you know, I mean, you mentioned earlier about, about the, the kind of librarian. You're a woman after my own heart um, <laughs> um, by becoming a librarian. What, what kind of books and authors have taught you more um, or the most? What kind of teachers have been influential upon you or, or what sort of studies? And tell us a little bit about why. I've got to be honest, you know, I've only ever done a standard practitioner diploma. Mm. I haven't done any extensive reading in the hypnosis field. That sure. sounds really bad. Um, but my biggest um, teachers have been my clients. Ah, good, yeah. Um, and, you know, I've been really privileged, um, especially with the gastric band work, in that, you know, I've delivered training now um, in eight countries, um, some, you know, to sort of 100 therapists at a time in a seminar room. And... What I learn from them is golden nuggets as I go along. And, yeah. you know, a, a, guy, a guy who really helped me in America called Mark Carlin, the New York City hypnotist. Yeah. You know, I remember him saying a statement once, there can only be one hypnotist in the room. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I took that with me 
um, away and it's something that I have in the back of my mind all the time when I'm working with somebody you know when you've got the client who's throwing the red herrings and sending you every other way yeah and um, you know who is the one that's in control here who is giving the commands there can only be one hypnotist in the room yeah, I, you know, I think that is um, that that's really valuable. Um, um, certainly, you know, uh, lots of my own clients very often attempt to drag you into their place and and point and twist and turn. So, you know, I think that's that's incredibly useful. Um, so, I, I mean, you, you've been you've been a fairly prolific, you know, not just teacher but 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 therapist as well. You know, throughout your experience, what have been some of the most impressive or, or, or the most impressive application of hypnosis that you've that you've directly witnessed and been involved with the, the one that really made me go has this really happened <laughs> <laughs> um was it was really early on and um there was a newspaper article in my local paper and it was the front page and it said this lady had um, hiccuped continuously for i think it was about five and a half six years yeah and I rang up the paper. I'd only been qualified two weeks. And I'd been really bad during my training in that I hadn't done loads of practice. Um, I'd done a little bit, but I hadn't done a lot. Um, <laughs> so I rang the paper up and I said, um, I might be able to help this lady. Um, you know, I'm a hypnotherapist and I'd like to offer a complimentary session. If she'd like to take me up on that, just get a, if you just pass my contact details on and I'm very happy to see you. Yeah. yeah. So the paper rang me up the next day and said, oh, we're going to bring that lady to see you and we'd like to video it for our website, please. And, you know, I think, oh, my goodness. Pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure there, then. <laughs> <laughs> so they brought this lady the next day. And, and when we look at, you know, when I look back, you know, you look at trying to get language patterns from clients and how they're describing things. And she was really quiet, this lady. I could hardly draw anything out of her at all. So I'm sitting in my room the camera's rolling from the paper and I'm starting to count from one to ten with yeah. my induction, thinking, you know, I hope there is an angel in the room that is going to <laughs> say by the time I get to ten because yeah, I'm, right. I'm on nine and I've got no idea. Um, anyway, this lady stopped hiccuping during the session. Brilliant. And, um, you know, she hasn't hiccuped since. Brilliant. And it was it was that that I just thought, has this really happened? Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, she made half hiccups before. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and you know, the next day, the paper wrote a full-page article how about how I'd stop this lady hiccuping. So, of course, everybody else rings up and says, "Well, I'm sure if you can help that lady with this, you can help me with this, that, and the other." Um, so, so yeah, that was one of the biggest, the, the biggest wows. And of course, you know, like on the the weight loss stories, you know, the um, a lorry driver, he lost 12 stone in nine months with me. Flipping heck. Yeah, so, um, and it's things like that that, um, and there's a lady actually recently who I'm working with who she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in May. Yeah. And um, balance very badly affected. And her and her husband came to see me and said, you know, the, the neurosurgeon um, has suggested that, you know, why don't they come and um, have a look at doing some hypnotherapy um, for the symptoms? And um, they recommended me, which was great. Um, and it was all, you know, we're very realistic about it. You know, we weren't expecting to make the multiple sclerosis disappear or no. anything like that. But the good thing was is that the consultant wants to put her back in an MRI scanner after the hypnosis sessions. Mm. If she'd improved. Now, to me, I, I like to see evidence of something. So that would have been manna from heaven. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, we did the sessions. Her balance has improved massively. This lady wasn't leaving the house before. She's now out in a car, driving around, going to places. Um, the um, so a really a massive change in somebody's life, and you know that's what drives me. That's what interests me to do. You know to sort of push the boundaries of things and to to try something different. To just have a go and think. What is the worst that's going to happen here? The worst that's going to happen is nothing will happen. And I think as long as you manage a client's expectations, that you don't set them up for something that's unrealistic. Um, and she'd come back to me and, and you know, she'd said, the consultant wanted to put her in the scanner. And she said, but I don't really want to do it. 
And I said, that's absolutely fine. And she said, the reason I don't want to do it is I'm in such a good place now. And she said, if that scan shows that the lesions have got worse or, you know, there's no difference, is that going to affect how I, what my mindset is right now? Mm. And I said, I'm absolutely 100% in agreement with you. Um, so, uh, but, you know, it would have been fantastic for her to have gone in the scanner if we could have yeah. shown the lesion had reduced even yeah. better. Um, but, you know, it's it's about working with the person, isn't it, and doing the right thing by them. Absolutely. I mean, I'm still gobsmacked by the guy who reduced his weight by 12 stone in nine months. I mean, 12 <laughs> stone is, is, is like me. That's, yeah. um, that's my entire weight. He reduced his weight by me. <laughs> well, you know, brilliant, brilliant. Um, um, Sheila, tell her, I mean, because you, you have gone on to build a really, a really impressive business within this field. Um, you know, I think that, that, I mean, there are so many subjects that I could that I could talk and, and, and you know, attempt to pick your brain on uh, for the benefits of those listening today. Um, um, based upon your experience, you know, if you could go back to when you started out, as a hypnotherapist when you when you were training and so on knowing what you know now is there anything you'd do differently and if so what and and is there any advice the person you are today would give to that younger you that you'd happy happy to extend to our listeners yeah i mean i think it's mainly on the it's first of all having the courage to go and do things i mean i did seem to have that courage and think well what the heck i'll just do that and see what happens yeah um but it's i think also you know it's not to sell ourselves short we've got to get experience with working with people but i i think in the, in the therapy world um i think there's um you know, there's one thing that a lot of people say they want to happen. You know, they want to be seen to be more recognised in the local community. They want hypnosis to be more acceptable and almost on the high street, um, even within the National Health Service. And I think there's only two ways as a profession that we can make that happen. Mm. One is we have to provide as much evidence that we possibly can that what we do actually works. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I'd push the the virtual gastric band concept down down the route of clinical trials, um, to sort of attempt to provide evidence that what we do works. Yeah. The other thing is that in a, a therapy community, we have to learn the business skill set that's needed to run a business. Yeah. yeah. I've learned the hard way, if you like, just from putting in hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. <laughs> And, you know, early on, you know, I, I was seen to build a successful business in a, in a short period of time. I mean, in under two years, I had a practice that had 35 clients a week coming through the door. Yeah, now, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. Um, you know, I got to exhaustion level. Um, was I doing a good job with those clients? Well, they seemed happy. I was getting word of mouth referrals. But in the, even in the back of my mind, I was thinking, is this right? You know, um, and there were people, I don't know, it was madness. They were coming from all over. I had people getting on a plane in Kuwait, flying to London <laughs> to come to have sessions with me. And I think, surely there must have been a therapist nearer to you. Um, you know, it's only me. I'm not that good. <laughs> but that, you know, I mean, this is, this. you know, I, I think this is incredible in such a short period of time as well. You know, I, I mean, how... But from the point of view of, um, but I had no business knowledge at that time. Mm. So, you know, I was delivering sessions, but I wasn't really, it could have been a lot wider than that. I should have got other people in to um, deliver stuff for me. Um, and I think it would have been a better service for those people. Whereas now I see fewer people, um, I deliver a better service. Yeah. Um, and you know, hopefully teach some therapists, you know, along the way, the pitfalls, the things to do to market themselves in the right way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, that that's um, that's music to my ears. I have um, what a number of a number of sort of mentors of mine over the years have referred to as a, a red rope policy. You know, I, I, I sort of pick and choose who, who I work with that I think I will serve the best. Um, um, and 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 I'm very particular about that. And I think very often within hypnotherapy, there is an inclination to work with everyone and anyone, um, yeah. um, especially the people that are 
that are perhaps struggling to find their clients in the first instance, you know. Um, um, but that's, you know, there's a real breath of fresh air to hear that. I mean, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the clinical trials with your with your virtual gastric band, and that's something I want to ask you about in a bit more depth um, in, in our professional discussion. Um, but tell me about your thoughts with regards to evidence based approaches to hypnosis. Well, I don't know whether it's just a personal thing with me and whether, you know, I think you do have that thing as a therapist where you think, I wonder if that's worked or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it has worked so good. Um, <laughs> sometimes we can't quite believe it ourselves. And But I do to say it harps back to that, you know, I want to see our um, profession grow. I want to see our profession being taken seriously because... Yeah. There are so many avenues that you can go into with it. And as I said, I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I do a lot of work in schools. I also am involved in sales training with network marketing company. Um, you know, there's so many different avenues that we can take our skill set into that I always think, well, you know, therapists can't possibly run out of work because there's just so many different avenues. But I think partly that is because I've got this drive that I have to see evidence. I want yeah. to see evidence of something. So I'm very much for evidence-based approaches, um, which you say is why that I pushed it down the clinical trial route. And I think for our profession to move forward, we have to keep supplying that evidence that this isn't just me saying that I've got good success with clients. This is the evidence that something works. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's lovely. Um, um, tell us, um, for, for people listening, Sheila, where can people go to learn more about your work, more about your approach? Yeah, so my website is um, www.sheilagranger.com. Yeah. Um, or you can find me on Facebook. Um, the face, my Facebook's actually Sheila Elaine Granger because um, there's a business page and there's my personal one and I, I don't mind which people connect to me to really yeah. um so that you know there's an ongoing blog with things um great and we'll put links um um to to, to both of those uh within w- within today's episode um um sheila that's wonderful thank you ever so much um um we will be right back with sheila granger in a few moments I really enjoyed that. Very lovely, down-to-earth lady. The more I talked to her off microphone, the more I liked her and her attitude, which is, which is very humble and endearing. Uh, as I said, we'll be back with Sheila for our professional discussion shortly. Now, let's have a look at this week's hypnosis in the news. Just the two stories I wanted to focus in on today. Our first story is entitled... Hypnotism used to treat shell shock victims. And this is a a story that featured in The Guardian a short while ago. It's nearly three years since Professor Elliot Smith and Professor Pear, in their book on the nature and treatment of shell shock, which added really greatly to uh, the prestige of the writers, committed themselves to the opinion that, and I quote, Hypnotic treatment, when used with skill, discretion and discrimination, has its place in the treatment of shell shock and similar conditions, both in the acute and in the chronic stages. Well, good-o. Um, since then, with, uh, with, the, with, with, with you know, additional clinical material which the aftermath of war has provided, treatment by suggestion... Uh, uh, in conjunction with hypnosis, has been widely tested and with some notable results. In a recent lecture at Manchester University, Professor Pear went considerably beyond the position taken up in his book, um, in which you know which he was a collaborator in, and he cited several interesting cases in which, after careful inquiry, had elicited from the patient the cause of uh, his functional nervous disorder, and it was possible under hypnotism to restore him according to his account. In the British Medical Journal, um, um, just very recently, the theory and practice in this matter are explained with a real kind of comparative simplicity um, for which, you know, laymen to the field may be grateful. Um, Dr. William Brown, reader in psychology at the University of London and medical officer in charge of Craig Lockhart Hospital for Neurasthenic officers um, also offered up and suggested great support for this application. Um, you know, and, and, and a lot of the original 
uh, a lot of the original research and so uh, was, of course, all done without the depth of research that we have to draw upon today. So it makes for some fascinating reading. I urge you to go and read that particular Guardian article. Um, Our next news story is not strictly about hypnosis. It's referring to an article at the BBC website that was entitled Virtual Therapy Helps with Depression, Researchers Say. And uh, this is a fascinating pilot study recently published in a British journal of psychiatry open that was funded by the Medical Research Council here in the UK. And the study is likely to pave way for a much larger scale study exploring the potential benefits of virtual reality technology technology for therapeutic gain. And you know, I mean, initially I was thinking, woo, cool, I want to go on that. Let me explain the methodology that was used first of all, um, and I'll tell you why it's relevant to us as hypnosis professionals. The article at the BBC uh, states that the patients in this experiment wore a headset, and I'll quote them, the headset projected an adult version of themselves into a virtual reality mirror. The patient was asked to mentally identify with the adult avatar, which exactly replicated the patient's body movements in a process known as embodiment. They then noticed a separate avatar of a small crying child who was also in the mirror. They were told to say compassionate phrases to the child to try and comfort and console it. Patients asked the child to think of a time when it was happy and to think of someone who loved them. At this stage of the experiment, the roles were then reversed. The scientists altered the headset and the patient was then embodied into the avatar of the child, which then copied the patient's own body movements. The participants then heard the same phrases of compassion spoken back to them from the adult avatar in the person's own voice. That's the end of the quote. Professor Chris Bruin, the lead author of this study, said the results were promising. Nine out of the 15 participants in this pilot study reported reduced levels of depression at the one-month follow-up date, and four of those recorded a clinically significant drop in depression severity. The remaining six participants of the study noted no changes. Now, I really like a couple of quotes in relation to this study by Professor Bruin. First of all, he said, People who struggle with anxiety and depression can be excessively self-critical when things go wrong in their lives. Second of all, he said, in this study, by comforting the child and hearing their own words back, patients are indirectly giving themselves compassion. The aim was to teach patients to be more compassionate towards themselves and less self-critical. Now, this seems like a lovely way to be using technology for the benefit of those with mental health issues. And I love it when technology is being applied that way. However, and you knew there was a however coming up, didn't you? The same process can be done and created for the same benefit without the use of virtual reality technology. And and we know this because this type of process already occurs in therapy rooms around the world on a regular basis. Using the imagination, a therapy client is asked to imagine stepping into the shoes of another or a younger version of themselves or to step into a scene comprising of evocative imagery of some kind. This is fundamental to many established and successful forms of therapy. I mean, heck, you NLP fans out there would refer to this as altering perceptual positions. A similar process can be adapted by using a gestalt empty chair technique where the client actually moves into the roles into separate chairs facing each other and negotiate or mediate or just communicate with versions of oneself. In cognitive behavioural hypnotherapy, there are many similar types of mental imagery techniques that are akin to this. There's also a bunch of processes used by regression therapists and those who use inner child techniques that resemble parts of this virtual reality scenario. Um, The beauty of using hypnosis for such mental imagery process, though, is that hypnosis, as well as self-hypnosis in particular, has been proven to advance the quality of mental imagery. Um, this helps to the, you know, add to the imagined reality. It's not spoon feeding the client with the imagery. In fact, one potential critique of this process that I'd offer up is that patients are not developing coping skills as a result of this. When engaging the imagination, not being spoon fed with a virtual reality scene to use, the patient has to put effort into the process themselves. 
That said, with the virtual reality, the soothing and comforting words are generated by the patient in the study, and so they get to use their own language and notice the impact of it upon themselves. And you know, those of you familiar with with my own cognitive behavioral hypnotherapy approach will know that this very much resembles a therapeutic methodology called the cognitive mood induction, which can be used in a wide variety of very similar ways. You know, learning skills without being spoon-fed them and then applying them directly for one's own betterment in turn builds self-efficacy. And, you know, I teach, talk about and write about self-efficacy often. The central theory to self-efficacy is that the more capable we believe ourselves to be, the more capable we actually become. And the research to support self-efficacy theory is really impressive. I mean, go Google, seek out the work of Bandura in the 70s, 80s and 90s. It's a great starting point to research. Also, the type of self-compassion mentioned by Professor Bruin can be and often is taught to individuals for them to regularly apply without the need for entering into virtual reality. So, A similar critique can be offered to numerous hypnosis studies and experiments that use standardised audio recordings as a treatment component. Many researchers refer to to, to sort of audio sessions uh, in clinical trials and refer to this as self-hypnosis. Whereas I dispute that this is truly self-hypnosis, I'd be more inclined to say that listening to an audio track is hetero-hypnosis with the hypnotist not directly present. The audio still guides and spoon feeds the the participant with what to do. True self-hypnosis, in my opinion, is developing a skill set that can be used totally autonomously. That that subjective experience of such skills becomes tougher to measure in research experiments. You know, so maybe I'm missing the point. Maybe this type of virtual reality process can lead to development of skills thereafter. And this study, you know, in and of itself simply needs to focus on extrapolating the effects of the virtual reality. Maybe it could be used as part of a wider and more comprehensive therapeutic program in the future. So I'm not totally anti this type of thing until we know more. I just strongly believe and assert that all human beings have incredibly impressive virtual reality software and hardware within themselves. And you know, us hypnosis professionals can help people learn how to use it even more effectively. Links to this particular media story and the previous one are listed under this week's podcast entry on www.hypnosis-weekly.com. Next up then, we have this week's professional discussion. I welcome back Sheila Granger. When I spoke with Sheila briefly about what we'd discuss... I had it in my mind to ask her about her approach to business, which, you know, her business thrives. It's incredibly successful. I'll have to get back uh, or get her back on a future show to discuss that, I think, because in the end, I wanted to ask her about her approach to the hypnotic gastric band process. I noticed Sheila organised a promotion during the festive season last year with, with the Elmans, and I read some wonderful things about her process. You regular listeners may also know that some of our previous guests on this show have had mixed opinions about the gastric band approach, so I was intrigued to learn and see what had made Sheila's approach so well regarded and so popular. She'd even subjected her own process to clinical trials, which as you all know tends to put a smile on my face. Therefore, here's this week's professional discussion with Sheila Granger. Enjoy. I'm delighted to be back now speaking to Sheila Granger. Um, We're going to speak about um, something that has been incredibly successful um, um, for for Sheila and for many others as well. We're going to talk about Sheila's approach to the virtual gastric band. Sheila, just tell us a little bit about about how it came to be, how how your, your, your approach came to be and so on. Yeah, I mean, I got involved in the um, this gastric band concept around about four and a half, five years ago now. Yeah. And at the time, 80% of my clients were coming for weight control. And the system I used with people was a little bit hit and miss. It worked for some people, not for others. Couldn't really get a handle on it. And um, I read a newspaper article about um, some people in Spain called the Chirans. And the Chirans mm-hmm. had come up with this 
claimed to have come up with a concept of a gastric mind band to help people lose weight. And it said they were getting people to imagine surgery and they claimed to be about 75% successful. Mm-hmm. And I read this article and I thought, what a load of rubbish. That'll never work for somebody. Um, it's just a PR spin. <laughs> It'll never work. But I had 80% of people um, coming for weight control. So I thought, what the heck? I'm going to devise my own sort of programme around this concept yeah. and put it to a bit of a trial. So I put a word of mouthing out. I wanted volunteers, uh, 25 volunteers, nobody paid me any money. Um, I invited my local media along to independently verify the results that I got. And I saw wow. them in the hotel room. And um, I did the first session. And the following day, a lady rang me up and said, I'm not quite sure what you've done, she said, because I have spent 45 years of my life thinking about food all the time and now I'm not thinking about it anymore. Wow. So I'm not quite sure what you've done. So anyway, the group as a whole, um, I think they, it was something like 14 and a half stone that they lost over a three-week period. Yeah. And um, it was successful for, thinking of the numbers now, I think it was either... 22 or 23 out of the 25 reported positive results yeah which is which is a a a really top number Mm, but that was only obviously over a three-week period you know i didn't follow those people in the long term i don't know whether a month later they put it all back on again who knows um so i'm going to base my clinic's based in a, a doctor's office um in hull and um, the doctor said, I've got 10 patients who have been refused gastric surgery. Um, would you do another trial yeah. with these people? They, they were down to have the surgery, but then the funding had been altered. So, again, I couldn't see them individually because that would have meant 10 hours a week just doing those. Um, so, again, I saw them as a group. Um, the results were very similar, 9 out of 10 people, positive results. And also by this time, I'd put a huge, you know, BBC News had been to interview me, um, you know, and going to the, they were going to the gastric surgeons and saying, you're spending millions of pounds on gastric surgeon and we've got this person who's just produced this. Right. Um, so I was thinking, maybe this really does work. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that same old, how was it work? <laughs> uh, maybe this does really does work. So uh, I then, you know, because I would like to see therapy, um made more available for people um for those that perhaps can't afford your usual prices or and i thought the only way this can happen is if i can provide some clinical evidence so i then went on a little bit of a mission to get clinical trials and had lots of doors closed to my face and you know clinical trials cost a lot of money which is one of the reasons why we don't have that many in the hypnotherapy field because it's well how do you secure them how do you convince somebody to pay the money for this trial um but in my area um there's hull university hull york medical school and they agreed a clinical trial and this trial took place um actually about two and a half years ago now yeah if i'm I'm still waiting for the paper to be published um it's like how long is a piece of string till it actually takes to publish a paper Mm. um i believe the results are positive i don't in all honesty know how significant they are um but at least there is some clinical trial that is there yeah that it was taken on and that was done um there was 25 people in that trial so there was one group who were having the um like the gastric band hypnosis and went through that program against a control group who were just having um pure relaxation without any direction right yeah yeah um but the um the funny thing was you know like I, I i maybe i shouldn't say this on this podcast but i've done quite a lot of work with the president or who was the president of the australian hypnotherapy association yeah and when we were doing these trials he said well look he said don't worry about it because you also can put him ahead on that chopping block what if it fails um <laughs> and he uh, he said look don't worry about it because i was doing both groups the relaxation with no direction and the hypnosis side of it as well yeah. So he said, why don't you, for the relaxation group, he said, why don't you just put a buffet out afterwards <laughs> <laughs> to help them, help yourselves to this food after your relaxation? <laughs> he said, I'm sure you can swing it. Donuts. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Just some donuts out for you. Um, which, of course, we didn't do. But um... so, 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 yeah, that's where... And I think that's why people are... Um, 
so interested in that training side of it because that was done at the beginning. You know, mm. the, and even though they're aware that those results aren't published results, that it seems to lead it to that credibility. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I really, really appreciate your honesty and your candor. You know, I love the fact that you're not attempting to oversell the mm. results. You know, um, um. And, uh, you know, I, b- because obviously, you know, we, we all have a vested interest in, in, it, in it showing, showing positive results. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I know from my own PhD studies, for example, you know, my, my, my own supervisor um, at the university says to me, you know, you don't always have to try and, and sell the concept. You know, the idea is that you thoroughly research it regardless of the outcomes. Yeah. You know, and um, so it, it's really nice, really nice to hear you say that. Mm-hmm. Um um, can you tell us or share whatever you can um, a little bit about about the actual process itself? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, I'm a big believer with any client that I work with that I give them some either form of homework or guidelines to follow. Things that I want them to consciously think about outside of hypnosis sessions. So with the program that I've developed, a client gets a set of guidelines, right, you right. Know, which uh, um, some of those are around, you know, go out and buy something the size you want to be, setting a realistic goal, you know, it's achievable, it's realistic, it's time bound, etc. Yeah, so we're getting okay. them to focus on being the person they want to be. Yeah. Um, I'm giving them some guidelines. I want them to eat three times a day. I want them to eat breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, whether they actually feel hungry or not at that time, just really to check their metabolism's working. But they're only going to eat at that time. So we're immediately going to wipe out snacking on the guidelines without the hypnosis adding to that. Um, We're going to get them to respond to the physical body. You know, what's your tummy telling you? Um, And to um, encourage them to leave the food at at that point. Um, and to feel good about leaving it as well, not it being a bad thing and something that I'm being deprived of. We're going to encourage somebody to drink lots of water and to exercise for 30 minutes a day. So all of those sensible things, if you like. Yeah. yeah. And I want them to think about those things consciously, conscious effort on those things. And so really then the hypnosis is just going to tip them over the edge on everything. Mm-hmm. It's going to make that change a lot easier. So with the gastric band side of it, yes. One of the things I get somebody to do on the first session is to imagine surgery. Uh, now, I don't go into any detail on that because the, re- the reality is if you went for an operation and they gave you an anaesthetic, you don't remember anything when you've had that, do you, until you've woke up? <laughs> so, um, you know, the theory is, of course, the subconscious doesn't understand the difference between real and pretend, so by getting me to imagine it, it can act as though it's real. Yeah. But there's actually a lot more um, pushed into that program than relying on that aspect to learn. Yeah, if we were yeah. to rely on that aspect to learn, then it would probably work for under 10% of people. Right. It's a bit like the stage hypnotist, you know, who um, gets up the most highly suggestible people yeah, and then yeah. gets the people who will, who will accept the outrageous suggestions. Yeah. And you're down to a minimal number of people yeah, who will yeah. actually play that game. So again, with a client, you know, I'm, I'm saying, I, I, you know, I'm not here to make you think you've got a gastric band. You know, I'm just, again, here to get you to where you want to be. Mm. So, you know, I, I'm um, a lot of people say that my approach is very Ericksonian. You know, I use a, met- a lot of metaphors. Um, so that is just one aspect of a full program that's then actually packed yeah. out with a huge load of other techniques that are actually designed to bring about the change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really interesting because I suppose, um, um, you know, the 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 the, the clients need to properly buy into the 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 notion, don't they? They need to invest themselves and invest their belief in it. And um, if they're not wholly invested, then part of that is your role. Um, Part of that is the role of the practitioner to really get them into that place. that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, again, I really appreciate your candor with that. Um, you, you know, um, um, I, I, um, I, I mean, you've been you've been a prolifically busy hypnotherapist. I mean, I mean, as we discovered within within the interview earlier as well. You know, um, uh, what do you think has made this approach so popular? I think it buys into people's imaginations. Right. Yeah. You know, and you know, we're all looking for a magic wand. Um, we all think we can get change instantly and we all want a magic bullet. And whether that, um, you know, the, just that term and the marketing of that term draws people in. Yeah. 
But the good thing about it, which is what I think actually contributes it to its success, is, you know, with hypnosis, we like people who have got very good imaginations. They're our best clients. And, you know, so somebody who has picked up the phone because they've seen the term virtual gastric band already has a good imagination. Yeah. yeah. So you're actually drawing in your most imaginative clients as well. Yeah. yeah. Just using that marketing term. Now, is it just a marketing ploy? No, it's not because we are going to use that within the process, but the person's bought into it by then. And then we can do all the other work with them while they're there to get that change there and permanent. You know, the whole idea is to get them to change how they think about food. So that by, I do a four session program, by the end of the sessions, they're doing the new set of habits without even thinking about it, just like they were doing what they were doing before without thinking about it. Now, some of those clients will need, um, you know, deeper work. Um, For the vast majority of people, I'm finding that it is just a set of habits and we can develop a new set of habits. So people say, well, is it going to last forever? Well, it's only going to last while those habits are there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because we all have things happen to us in life that can alter that. Yeah. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, um, I was speaking at an event in Dublin a few years ago, and um, and a guy waited behind at the end and said to me, um, "Do you remember me?" And I said, "You know, yeah, vaguely. Um, um, you know, but tell me who you are, and uh, and, and we'll, we'll, you know, I'll answer any questions that you've got." And he said, "Well, I came to see you a few years ago to stop smoking, um, and, but I just thought I'd tell you it didn't work." And I said, "Oh, you know, that's a real shame. Tell, tell me about your experience." He said, "Well, once I left your office, I didn't smoke again for two years, and then I went through um, a rather painful divorce, and and I started again. And um, you know, for me, two years not smoking." was a real success you know I thought that was a great success he didn't touch he didn't touch cigarettes again but you know exactly as you said he 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 adopted a different mindset as a result of of you know going through a painful divorce it's like somebody you know somebody overcomes a fear of dogs but then a couple of years later you know sadly gets bitten by a dog and and adopts a fear again you know it doesn't hypnosis doesn't necessarily make you immune for life you know, no. other things can affect how the mind works. Yeah, and it is those emotions every time I find when a client comes back if a point that they're struggling, you know, something they've had some emotional hit. Um and you know, that is the that is the dominant thing, isn't it, with all of us? Yeah, it's right, yeah. Emotion. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, it's fascinating. Um, you know, I, I could speak to you about this till the cows come home. And likewise, I, you know, I'll have to see if I can badger you um, again in the future to come back on and speak about, you know, the, the kind of strategies you employ that have made you so successful on a business level. Um, um, if people want to find out more about the virtual gastric band training, um, Sheila, is that also at SheilaGranger.com? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's all, all the information's on my website. I mean, I've got, um, you know, licensed trainers in other countries. So if some of the listeners are from other countries. You know, there's licensed trainers in America, in Australia, um, in Europe, all delivering my programme. Um, I have around about 1,800 practitioners now in nine countries. And what I really like about it, though, is the fact that for new hypnotherapists, people who have just trained and, um, you know, perhaps haven't got a lot of business experience behind them or a lot of working with client experience behind them, there are a lot of therapists who have built their business following that training. Um, They've niched in it um, and they've started their to build a business on the back of it because within the training like I don't just teach people you know this is my program and this is how it's laid out um I also put in all the golden nuggets of starting a business as well so because you know I think it's key in the therapy profession that we do share that information and you know I also there isn't anything special about me you know I'm not the best therapist in the world um you know there's people well I would um I would contest that statement (laughs) people with far more experience and knowledge than I have but I've just worked at it I've just worked and worked at it well you know I think there's plenty that's special about you Sheila and I also think that um, um no no other guest on my show up until now has caused me to say the word flipping heck quite 
<laughs> with quite as much frequency as I have today. Um, um, that's that's wonderful. Um, um, Sheila, like I said, I'm going to be asking you to come back at some point in the future. Um, for those of you listening, um, um, go visit SheilaGranger.com, um, explore it some more. Sheila, thank you very much indeed for You're being on Hypnosis ple- Weekly. It's been a pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed that discussion. Some fascinating information there. My sincere thanks to Sheila for sharing so much. Um, there's a link to Sheila's website at the episode's, uh, this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. So now we're on to this week's Hypnosis Fact of the Week. And this has changed slightly going forward. This is now referred to as our evidence-based fact of the week. Ooh. Just because something is evidence-based, however, does not necessarily mean it is a fact. And everything here is open to being superseded if new or better evidence is published that we then yield to. However, calling it our evidence-based, potentially changeable point of the week is not quite as compelling or catchy, so I hope you'll indulge me calling it our evidence-based fact of the week. And it's this. In a 2007 study conducted by Aladdin and Ali Bai, cognitive behavioural therapy with the adjunct of hypnosis was found to be superior to just cognitive behavioural therapy when treating depression. This is a robust study meeting the Chambliss and Holland criteria of good design. It originally featured in the International Journal of Experimental and Clinical Hypnosis and a link to that study will be on this episode page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. I do have many more exciting guests that are welcomed Hypnosis Weekly in coming weeks too. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating and above all, remaining friends. And to repeat, all the references made in the discussions along with related links are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. Next week I'll be welcoming pioneer of the mindful mama approach to hypnobirthing Sophie Fletcher. I can't wait to share that with you. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions so please do message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website and I'll make sure they get addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else and really help us reach the hypnosis field. Thanks again. Go to Sheila Granger. Thanks to you for tuning in once again. It's lovely to be back. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now.